Chapter Twenty One of Aristopia by Castello Newton Holford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At the close of the war, England began an increased taxation of the colonies to defray its expenses. Intense dissatisfaction was produced as one tax after another was levied. The Americans now saw that it was no longer the King and Parliament, but the electors of Parliament who were bent on oppressing them. Every village shopkeeper and country squire in England began to talk of the taxes which ought to be imposed on our subjects in America. Seeing this, the Americans began to think of separation and talk of armed resistance. Aristopia did her best to encourage the other colonies to resistance, for she determined that the time for independence had almost arrived. She began to drill great numbers of militia, establish foundries for cannon and factories for muskets and powder. In some great caverns in Kentucky, saltpetre in immense quantities had been discovered. Aristopia could manufacture powder, importing only the sulphur. The population of the Commonwealth in 1774 had become fully four millions. The immigration, by the immense expenditures of Ralph Morton, had been such as the world had never seen elsewhere. The circumstances of life were so favourable that the natural increase of the colony by the excess of births over deaths was sufficient to double the population every thirty years or less, exclusive of immigration. The suppression of the smallpox by vaccination was sufficient of itself to give the Commonwealth an immense advantage over other countries. The population of other English colonies, exclusive of Canada, was a little less than two and a half millions. Aristopia had doubtless drawn off some people who, but for her, would have gone to the Atlantic colonies, but most of her immigrants were those who would never have reached America without her aid the irish the poor peasants of england scotland and the western shores of the continent the people of the far inland regions eastern germany bohemia poland austria switzerland savoy lombardy and venice who would not have come to america but for the far-reaching and effective morton agencies aristopia for convenience of administration of public affairs had been divided into six states allegheny extending from the crest of the allegheny mountains on the east to the allegheny ohio and big sandy rivers on the west ohio bounded on the east and south by the allegheny river and ohio river and on west by the eighty-fourth meridian columbia extending from the eighty-fourth meridian to the wabash river Illinois, lying between the wabash and the mississippi missouri extending from the mississippi indefinitely westward and kentucky including all of aristopia lying south of the ohio and west of the big sandy river the nominal boundaries of aristopia were the thirty-eighth parallel on the south and the forty-first parallel on the north but there were many settlements of aristopia beyond those lines especially in kentucky the population of allegheny was more than a million and that of ohio nearly a million each of these states had a governor and a legislature with limited legislative powers for local government 
the chief executive of the commonwealth was now called the governor-general in popular education the condition of agriculture and the mechanical arts aristopia was far in advance of the atlantic colonies and in some respects of england virginia although the most populous of the atlantic colonies except only massachusetts was the most backward in civilization no improvement could be expected from her frontiersmen living in semi-barbarism and little from her aristocratic and indolent planters and of course none at all from the abject white servants and still more abject black slaves of the planters the colony had a college or two for the sons of rich planters but few public schools for the common people and only two or three printing presses all the other atlantic colonies south of pennsylvania were like virginia although in a less degree in massachusetts improvement was checked by another cause religious bigotry and superstition although there were printing presses and public schools in the colony the teaching beyond the merest rudiments of english was only latin and theology one of their own writers on the agriculture of new england before the revolution says quote, the man who ventured to try experiments was looked on with displeasure if one did not plant just as many acres of corn as his father did and that too in the old of the moon if he did not sow just as much rye to the acre and use the same number of oxen to the plough if he did not hoe as many times as his father and grandfather did if in short he did not adopt the same views and prejudices his father had done he was shunned in the company of old and young and looked on as a visionary they had near them a fair example of progress in the dutch settlers of the hudson and mohawk valleys whose industry was so well seconded by ingenuity and improvement as to lead to great comfort and prosperity but the puritans carefully avoided profiting by the example when shown any ingenious device for agricultural mechanical or household use the new englander was accustomed to say it beats the dutch while he said aloud it beats the dutch he thought to himself it beats the devil for to his mind satan was the father of innovations it was not until near the revolution that the crust of bigotry was broken and the new england mind began to expand and yankee ingenuity began to beat the dutch the strong reaction which followed the witchcraft delusion was the dawning of the day after the night of bigotry and superstition in new england the one thing in which the puritans appear to have made an innovation was in sawing lumber somewhere about sixteen forty sawmills then unknown in england were introduced into massachusetts some of the puritans had seen sawmills driven by water-power during their exile in germany and strange to say did not consider them a device of satan to enslave men's souls in aristopia every public school had a large library of books of useful knowledge and every child attended school for twelve or fifteen years studying not latin and theology 
but mathematics geography astronomy and what was then known of chemical science improvement was a matter of course and innovation which promised improvement was welcomed end of chapter twenty one